Welcome to the House Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message by Pastor Stephen Sexton. If you would like to know more about the House Church, please visit our website at welcometothehouse.com or download the House app. So we're going to talk over the next uh, two weeks about how to win. And um, as much as I love to preach and communicate, we've got some people in our church, leaders that have been leading life groups that have been here for over two years, and we thought that it would be a great series just to let them share their testimony. Because I think sometimes what happens is you see me as a preacher and a teacher, and, and, and I'm just a regular person. And so I think it would be great to have people who are just here loving God, serving church, working careers, begin to just communicate how they are winning in their life. So here's what I'm going to say. Let me, I'm going to say this one more thing, and I'm going to turn them loose. Is, um, each one of them are going to have 10 minutes, and they're going to share their testimony about how to win. And so these are not professional communicators, okay? They're church folk. So if I ask you to stand up here, some of you would be like, yeah, finally. <laughs> God's going to move up in this place. But then, but, then, but then some of you would actually pee your pants, like, like literally pee your pants. And so um, we want to do a good job pulling it out of them. Please, please don't look mad. And some of you, are, you, you, you may not know this, but your rest face is, 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 is frightening, okay? If the joy of the Lord is in here, we just want to see a little bit of it, okay? And so, come on, I know you're thinking, I'm concentrating, and uh, uh, concentrate on smiling. Um, but let's do a good job getting this out of our people. Can we do that? Is that good? Okay. So we're talking about how to win. Uh, the first one that is going to share their testimony, uh, I've, I, we met a little over two years ago when we started to launch the church. Uh, we had a mutual friend. We met at Kennedy Coffee. He began to tell me what's on his heart. I began to tell him what was on our heart for the house. Uh, when he came and we started Children's Church, we had five kids in Children's Church. It was my four and his one. And, 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 we, and when he came in and we were having a meeting and we had like five people. And I thought, dear God, he's never coming back. And, and uh, uh, their family stayed, they connected, they've helped us grow, they lead life groups, and I want you to welcome Abel Mendoza. Y'all give him a big hand. Good morning. Thank you, thank you. Well, I'm so excited to share this. Um, God has put a lot on my heart here, man, since, <laughs> since we started with Stephen and Katie here. And uh, it's been a great ride. I'm going to jump in because I only got 10 minutes and, you know, testimonies could go on for days. Uh, and uh, I'm going to start with James 1, 2. It says, consider it pure joy. And, and that's the key word right there, joy. Remember that word. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Man, how many has been through a trial? I'm sure everybody, right? Man, and I bet you're happy <laughs> to go into that trial. You're like, man, I'm going to go fight with my wife. Woo, let's do it, man. I'm happy. I'm going to love her. I'm going to love her. <laughs> or your kid. <laughs> Kids. But, but uh, my, my title today is I begin win, winning when I stop quitting. I begin to win when I stop quitting. You know, um, 
There was a time about five years ago that me and my wife and my kids went through a hard time in our life, and and um, I didn't know if we were going to make it through. I didn't know I didn't know if we were going to make it through. And, and I've been serving God for 17 years, and and I didn't think it would get this hard. And you know, my whole walk, I was like, man, it, you know, it was easier to live in the world, be part of the world, because I didn't have so much beating going on day to day. And, um, you know, I heard a sermon one time uh, speaking about being able to drink and serve God. And, and when I say drink, you know, I myself personally, when I'm going to do something, whether it be with God or the world or whatever it is, I'm going to do it. 100%. I'm going to go in. That's the way my mentality is. That's my wife. When we fight, we're going to we're going to go. I may be the one running, but we're going to go. <laughs> you know, but but that's you know, I heard that and I just I jumped into that. I was like, OK, that's good. All right. Let's let's do, I, I can do that. I can hold God in and and this party life. No, I mean, it, it tickled my ears so much. I jumped in and, and it brought you can only imagine brought so much. Everything else that comes with it just just filled my house. And and not only me and my wife, me and my six kids. It It ruined our lives for about two years. It was a long road, a hard road. It seemed like everybody left us, and it was just me and her and the kids. And I was like, man, in an 1,800 square foot, it's just me and you. <laughs> Nobody else. I was like, where are you at, Lord? But he was telling me the whole time, I'm right here. I haven't left you. I haven't left you. But I got so fogged up and blinded that, that I, I was so death and dumb, that I would not listen to my wife, that I would not listen to my kids when they told me they loved me, you know, and so we, we just, man, it was argument after argument, it even affected my workplace, um, you know, I, I, I sell restaurants and markets and all that, and that started going down, and I was like, man, why, 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 I was asking all these questions, why, 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 but I wasn't listening to the, I wasn't even seeking the source of why it was going down, but you know, there was times that me and my wife would be sitting in there fighting and fighting and fighting. And I think the moment, it was probably a year and a half of it was just getting so bad that I was done. I was done. I was like, it's easier for you just to go on your own. Let me go on my own. That way you're happier. And I heard God, no, no. And I'm like, no, yeah, it is. It is. It'll be easier for because, you know, uh, sometimes when she talks to me and I'm not listening, she's like, Mendoza. And that's that's the thick-headed, you know, man coming up, and and uh, and and we just sat there and we fought, and and it was so bad. We were in our room and we were fighting so much, and my kids were in the living room crying. They were crying, and I didn't care. I was so hard, I didn't care. And we were sitting there fighting, and we had this picture on on the um, on our dresser. And it was one of the pictures that we took after we got married, and. Uh, and I grabbed that picture and I hit, I broke it. I was like, I'm done. I told you, I said, I'm, I'm out. And it, and it shattered and it left scars, scuffs on the corner of the, of the Chester drawer. And man, right then, that instant, I seen her heart break. And I seen the love of Christ just fill the room, but I was still so hard. And, and it went on and it went on and, and God was still trying to come in, not leave me. I was like, God, I, I can't do this no more, man. I'm going on. I'm going. I'm, I'm, I'm rather walk my road 
without them and hurt them every day. But I, re- I didn't realize that it would be even worse. Not only for my wife, but for my kids. And so, and so one day, um, one of our friends, mutual friends that we were talking about, John Latham, he, he had invited me to a men's encounter. And I was like, okay, I'll go. I'll go. I'll, I'll, I'll go for, you know, just to tell them. You know, it's just like when you're in the world and, and somebody says, man, you hear about Jesus? I say, yeah, okay, go ahead and tell me. I got, I got two minutes and I got to go get some more. And so, and so he told me and then it got closer, got closer. And then we started arguing more. And she's like, why are you going to go to that and this and that? I was like, wait a minute. I thought you wanted me to go. Now you're telling me not to go. Now we're fighting about, about going to get freedom. And, 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 you know, so, but it was the enemy coming in and, and messing with us. And so, so at the last minute, it's like two minutes before they call me. He called me again. He's like, are you sure you don't want to go? I said, no, I'm, I'm good. Go ahead. And then, and then the Holy Spirit is like, you got to go. So, you know, hey, come pick me up. I was mad. I was like, come pick me up. And so he picked me up the whole way, man. God just started. And when I got there, you know, it's a long story. But, but uh, my second point, it leads into my second point about I began to win when I received freedom. And in Galatians 5.1, I heard this there. And I never seen men before worship like they worship and love like they love. When I told them what I had done to my family, to my wife, and to my kids, they just embraced me. They took me in and said, it's okay. We love you. I was like, but how could you? You know, even though I knew Christ, even though God uh, took me out of alcohol, drugs, lust, everything that you can think of, God took it like that when I, when I was saved. I didn't believe in God. I didn't know God. I, I went to a Catholic church, didn't know what it was about. I just went because my grandmother made me go. But, but when God took that from me, I knew there was something more out there. And so in, this is uh, Galatians 5.1. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Man, to be free and to be, have that yoke. I'm sure somebody's opened an egg before and got some yoke on your, on your hands. And if you don't wash it for a while, it gets sticky, right? And becomes, it's like, man, that's the way the enemy is. That's the way the enemy is on us. If we don't, if we don't wash ourselves in the word, if we don't wash ourselves through worship and through love. And I had to find that place that, that I had to get down to the bottom and find that place where, where his love was at. You know, I, I told this story um, earlier, and it, and it was about uh, the perfect storm. I don't know if anybody's seen that movie, but it was, it was a really good movie, but it, it talks about this little boat, fishing boat that went out in the sea, and they, were, they had to go out because they had a dry spell, and they were catching fish and fish and fish, and, man, they were, they were stocked. Man, they were going to be banging with money, you know, when they got back to and they were trying to make it back. And the storm and storm, well, the more the story, the, the, the boat didn't make it back. But God showed me that I was going to make it through it, that we were going to make it through it, through, through believing in him and not quitting. And, and to know that his word stands forever. And that we win, we start winning when we become as one with our heart and our mind, with the Holy Spirit. So... So today, if you're going through whatever it be, it don't have to be a relationship thing. It could be something with your parents, something in your workplace. It doesn't matter where it is. It's a battle. 
And you can't quit. You got to stand and press through and know that, that your love with Christ can get you through all things. So I appreciate it for today. Thank you so much. It's great. Have it's a great. good day. It's great. It's great. Here's the thing. You, it's easy to quit. Even though we know we shouldn't, come on. When it gets hard, it gets heavy, you feel like there's no one cheering for you, you feel like you're isolated, you feel like you're all alone. And here is the lie. When we start to say, I tried. I tried and it didn't work. Or I tried and they didn't let it work. Come on, somebody. But here's the thing, is we can never win in life if we quit. We can never win if we quit, if we, if we lose our hope. The gospel message is the good, come on, somebody, news. And so what it means is whatever it feels like may not be what it's going to turn out to be. And if we quit under the feeling then we will never see what God has really has in store for us, our life, our families, and our marriage. Great job. Y'all give Abel another big hand. So our, our next communicator is uh, Sarah. Sarah and Jason moved up to help us with the house. Uh, in fact, we've known them for years and years and years in Hot Springs where Katie and I and they are from. And so they came up here to move up here to help us with the church after it had already been uh, uh, going for a little bit. And uh, they lead life groups. And one of the reasons that we're having different people up here communicating is because we want you to connect with people other than just Katie and I because we have, we've got some incredible life groups. And so with no other, no further ado, y'all put your hands together for Sarah, Sarah Lisa. Good morning. That was a great word, Abel. Thank you for sharing your heart. Um, well, I'm going to talk about my papaw. We'll just get to it. <laughs> Do any of you guys have a papaw? Am I the only one? Good Southerners? Okay. Well, my papaw is a true country Southern papaw. He's not one that buttons his shirt. He snaps it, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and so he likes to talk about the summer of 1980. And for you guys who maybe were not a you know, cattle farmer in rural Arkansas in 1980, I'm going to tell you about that summer. Um, he likes to tell the story of how in January of that year, it just quit raining. Like in farming, you have to have rain. If you don't have rain, you don't have grass. And if you don't have grass, you don't have hay to feed your cows through the winter. And so he was really, really, the whole family was worried that we might lose our cattle and lose the farm. And he likes to go on to say, in a fateful day in September, a dark-haired girl named Sarah was born, and it started to rain. And the rain came, and we were able to keep our farm. So he always says, the day you came, the rain followed. And so I want to talk with you guys about bringing the rain and being winning where you're planted and thriving where you're planted. And we can't bring the rain on our own in our own power, but through Christ that's in us, we can bring the rain. And so we're going to talk about a few different seasons of life that I've learned about thriving or winning where I was planted. 
Um, the first season I'm going to talk about is what I like to call the iris season. And the reason I like to, to call it that is because I actually took this picture a few years ago on my family farm. Um, I was walking and I saw the picture and I thought, that's so strange. That iris is still beautiful. I mean, it's still, you know, offering life and um, it's thriving, even though there's weeds all around it. And I think, you know, that fa that day was meant for this day because I took that picture and it's such a like a clear kind of metaphor of the season of life I was in. As Stephen was saying, Jason and I um, just felt like God was calling us to move up here, and we were so excited. And um, Jason's work said, you know, I think we can get him up there in about three months. You guys go ahead and move up there. And we're like, yes, this is awesome. Three months, no big deal. Well, three months actually turned into 10 months. And um, for you guys who don't know me, I have four boys, so I was pretty much raising four little boys on my own, which I love them, but it was, it was challenging. I'll just say it was challenging. Um, and then I also got a job at a mental health hospital. I'm a mental health therapist. So um, again, I never worked in that setting. And I was working with adolescents who um, either were suicidal, homicidal, or psychotic. So as you can imagine, that wasn't always calm. And so there was just a tiny bit of stress at work as well. Um, but in that season, I really was able to learn about not going in like within, but to look outward and to reach out to others. Um, I had friends that also were working there that were new to the area. Um, Danelle was at first service. She had moved here from Nebraska. Shout out to Gina. My friend Gina also came from Jonesboro. And um, we just decided to start talking. We started going to lunch. Lunch turned into invitations to church. And then church led to life-giving friendships. It turned into life group leadership. It turned into life change. And so the thing that I learned from that season is even though it looked like that most of the time, you know, if I had just withered and, you know, got depressed and felt defeated every day, I wouldn't have been able to win, and neither would friends and their families. So what I really learned from that, that season is be able to win by reaching outward, building relations and relationships and community, no matter what your environment looks like. Um, the next season isn't actually mine. It's someone from the Bible. It's a book in the Bible I love. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever read Esther, but if you haven't, you should. Um, I think the producers of The Bachelor actually read Esther and were like, this is a great idea. Like, we need to make a show just like this. It's pretty much a group of women went to a mansion, and instead of the winner getting a rose, she became queen. I'm not kidding. Like, you guys need to read it. That's really the story of Esther. She was chosen um, pretty much in a competition of who's the most lovely in the land, who will the king like the best. She's going to be my new queen. And so she was put in a position of favor, and in that position, she actually was able to save, you know, her whole nation. And the, the verse that I'm going to read, um, most of you have maybe heard it before, but it's such a poignant verse. It's Esther 4.14. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. And so maybe you're currently planted in a great spot. You may be in the mansion. You may be an executive or you may, you know, doing, be doing really well. Your kids may be doing great at school. Um, but that doesn't mean that, again, that you can't 
thrive and grow and, and really win where you're planted because you can, you have to continue to think of what is God teaching me? And the way that Esther won, she didn't listen to popular culture. She wasn't checking Instagram or Facebook or, you know, she was looking to God's word and she had godly counsel. Um, she had a relative that really spoke into her life and leaded her in that in the direction God was calling her to. So if she hadn't stayed hooked up with godly counsel and been in the word and in fasting, then she wouldn't have had the opportunity to save a whole nation. So in that season, she won. The main points um, that I want us to kind of think about when we're winning in our, in our season that we're planted is our feelings will always point inward, but the word points outward. Yeah. It's just human nature. Like when you feel overwhelmed and you feel tired or you feel emotional, you don't want to go talk to people about Jesus. You want to sit, you want to pull the covers over your head. You want to stay home and you want to act like, I, I just can't handle one more thing. But when we start giving back and building relationships, we actually begin to re get restored ourselves, you know, because what we plant is what we receive. You know, the things that we plant are the things that we sow. Um, and so in him, we can see the hurting, encourage those looking for hope. Um, the next point is the environment we are planting in does not give the final word on our identity. A lot of times when we're in a season of hardship, or something that feels like a struggle, we begin to take that on as who we are. And that's not what that's not what the Bible says. That's not from God. Our identity does not come in our situation. It doesn't come from the environment around us. It comes from who he says we are um, in Christ. And he will help you wherever that position may be. So um, the last season I'm going to talk about is the sunflower season. Can you all tell I'm a visual person? I love, like... <laughs> I have I like themes I like visual because that helps me to remember so I hope it'll help you guys to remember too um the sunflower season was actually a very bittersweet season in my life um the day my twins were born was obviously an amazing day to have healthy twins it was a happy day but that later in the afternoon I found out that my dad had died of a heart attack and so I was very close with my dad, and he was kind of my hero. I mean, other than Jason, he was probably the second closest person to me. And so it was one of those moments that was, like, amazing and terrible. Has anyone else had an amazing, terrible day? And so in that season, it was, I didn't feel like I was winning. You know, if somebody asked how I was doing, of course, I was like, oh, you know, I'm okay. You can't just tell someone actually my dad just died and I don't really sleep and I'm doing pretty awful you know it was one of those seasons yeah. but in that season I really learned who God was you know I learned what grief was I learned empathy that I would have never known and in my field I do mental health so when somebody talks about grief I mean, I don't feel the exact pain they feel, but if they talk about the death of a family member or a child or just something that is really hard, God has given me the ability to have greater understanding. And I wouldn't have had that if I hadn't gone through that season. And he also showed me that I can't do it in my own strength. I'm kind of one of those people that thinks, oh, I can do it. You know, I can, I can do that. I can figure it out. But in that season, I learned, you know what, sometimes... It, you can't, and that's okay. God says in our weakness, he is strong, and so we need to realize that maybe right now you're going through one of those hard seasons, and you don't feel like you can do it, but in God's strength, you can. So just to bring it all together, my, my heart really today is to encourage you, whether you're planted 
in the mansion or you're planted somewhere that you don't want to be, that God will bring you through it. If you will will trust in him, seek the Lord, and really get involved in a community of belief. And I also want to encourage you, like, maybe you don't know how to ever read the Bible, a lot of our life groups are geared to helping you learn how to do that so that you can be strong in the word. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. That's great. You know, our culture tends to tell us that if where we're at is terrible, just, just get up and move and do something else. Get up and move and do something else. And we have this grass is greener on the other side on everything. You know what I'm saying? In that job, in that church, in that marriage, in, with that person. Come on, somebody. And before we know it, you know, it, it's, the, it's this old story of this guy who was complaining to God one day. And he was like, I, I'm just, you just don't know all the things that I have to deal with. And, and God said, well, I have bagged all of your problems up in one bag. And, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to take them outside to this one field. And so he, fine, he does. And he says, and, and you're going to get rid of your problems. And so he takes all of the problems, ties them up, takes them out to this big field. And he says, I want you to go back home. And in the morning, here's what I want you to do. You can go grab anybody's bag of problems that you want. He said, what? Yeah, I've had the whole city bag up all of their problems and put them in this same area. And in the morning, you can go get somebody else's problems. In the morning, everybody woke up and they were all fighting for their own bag. Because the fact of the matter is, at least I know how to deal with what I've been dealing with. But at this age, I don't want to deal with what you're dealing with. Come on, somebody, does that make sense? And so sometimes we need some clarity of purpose so that we can win where we're planted. Because if we, if we take the seed up and, and move and take the seed up and move and take the seed up and move, you are here for a set number of days. And if you constantly till up the seed, then your plant or tree can only grow as much as you allow it to grow. Plant. And when it's hard, plant. When it's tough, plant. When you don't understand, plant. And here's the deal. You thrive where God has put you. And here's what will happen. Over time, people will be able to see the beauty in midst of the weeds, and they'll go, wow, look at what God, come on, has done. Is that good? Come on, y'all give Sarah a big hand. <clears throat> Our last communicator today talking about how to win, uh, Jeff and Hannah have been here for almost two years. They help do framework. They actually help lead that area. And so if you've gone through framework, I would encourage you to do that. If you, if you haven't done that, I would encourage you to do that. You will meet Jeff and Hannah. They lead, they co-lead a life group. They lead another life group. Uh, these guys are doing a little bit of everything. But I thought it would be important for you to be able to meet Jeff and hear what he has to say as he wants to talk about how to win in work. Y'all give Jeff a big hand. Good morning. Well, Stephen said, I'm Jeff Hazel. My wife Hannah and I are going on three years of marriage. And we, that's right. And we live in Cave Springs. I work as a consultant uh, for a software analytics company here in Rogers. So let's jump right into it. Colossians 3.23 says, 
Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. And when I was preparing for this time, I thought to myself, heartily is one of those words that I think I know what it means, but I don't know exactly how I would define it. And so easy enough, I'll look it up, right? Well, I'm going to go ahead and warn you, I found myself in a little bit of a definition spiral uh, as one thing led to another. And you'll, you'll see what I mean, just bear with me. So heartily, in a hearty manner. Okay, really? <laughs> hearty, enthusiastically or exuberantly cordial. See jovial. <laughs> jovial, markedly good-humored, especially as evidenced by cheerfulness. See jolly. Jolly, full of high spirits. See joyous. Joyous, see joy. Joy, all right, joy, we're there. The emotion evoked by the prospect of possessing what one desires. All right, so everybody knows joy. So we go back to Colossians 3.23 and we say, whatever you do, work with joy as for the Lord and not for men. So today I do want to talk about winning and specifically how to win at work. And I think for us to understand how to win at work, we've got to understand what does it mean to work for the Lord? So that's what I want to get into. I want to share three quick thoughts of how to work for the Lord. And number one, I think we should choose excellence. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. See, everybody day to day has a lot of choices to make. And it's not just, you know, what am I going to wear today? Although for me, yeah, that was maybe a harder decision than normal as I knew I'd be up in front of everybody. Uh, It's not what are you going to eat for lunch. It's what are you going to do? How are you going to respond to people? All of these little things are choices. You know, how much effort are we going to give? How are we going to just act in general? And especially at work, every day we've got a choice. Are we going to give 70%? Maybe the good enough to not raise any eyebrows. You're not going to get fired. Uh, It's going to be fine. Uh, Or are you going to give 100%? your best, even, even if you're not necessarily going to get noticed for that, uh, where maybe 70 would be fine, but 100 is, is uh, right, just you are going to know is it the difference. But that is working for the Lord, right? The Lord deserves our best, even if people aren't watching. And so uh, to do that, we've got to choose excellence at work. Number two, we've got to choose love. Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. See, at work you've got this choice of, am I just going to figure out how to make this day the least painful for me? Right? How am I going to make my day better? Uh, Or am I going to decide, how can I make others' day better? Right? Whether that's your, your coworkers, whether it's your students, your, your customers, your clients. You've got these choices of how can I make others people, other people's day better, and that would be, right, the selfless perspective at work. The selfish perspective is let me just get through the day and do what i got to do. Um, and so you do have to choose love with the people that you're surrounded by at work, but inevitably some of you are thinking of that person that's hard to love. Right? Maybe it's that coworker. They're, they're just always negative. They're always uh, rude in some way. Maybe they're just fat, uh, degrading just generally an unlikable person. But it's that person that needs love the most, right? They're the ones that if you, if you love them despite the fact that maybe they don't deserve it, 
they're going to see Jesus through you, and you're going to make an impact to them. So we've got to choose love. Number three, we've got to choose joy. Ecclesiastes 3.22 says, So I saw that there is nothing better for a person than to enjoy their work, because that is their lot. For who can bring them to see what will happen after them? Ecclesiastes is telling us, you only have the time that you're given. And so you've got to enjoy what you can. right? If you're going to spend so much of your day at work, why not figure out a way to enjoy it and be life-giving to other people? See, at the house, we want to be life-givers. Even when our emotions don't want us to be life-givers, we've got to give life. Because the other people around us need that. And so... Some of you are thinking, that's great, all right, just let's just be happy all the time and magically have perfect days. <laughs> that's not exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> See, there's a difference in, in happiness and joy. Yeah. Happiness is going to be influenced by our emotion, yeah. oftentimes our circumstances. But we don't get to choose our circumstances, or at least not most of the time. But what we do choose is how are we going to respond to our circumstances. Yeah. So if on the hard day, how are we going to respond? And so that's why I think we can choose joy because we've already gone over. Joy is the emotion evoked by the prospect of possessing what one desires. If you're a Christian, you have what you desire. You've got the Lord in you. You've already uh, been granted his freedom. He's living in you, working through you. And so you have the freedom to have that joy. So all of these things, right, the three choices, choosing excellence, choosing love, choosing joy, it sounds great, and it's going to be, inevitably, there's going to be days where it's easy, right? Things are, things are going well. You like what you do. You're going to be able to choose them without having to think too much about it. But then there's the hard days. And it's those hard days that, honestly, these are hard choices to make when it would be a lot easier to just, how can I get through the day? But see, the hard days are when people are looking and people are watching the most. And that's when your influence is there. It's this hard days that you really, you know, how you are making these choices, how you're responding is going to have the greatest influence. And it only is through the Lord that you're able to make these choices consistently. You've got to have time in the word, fill yourself with these truths and rely on him. Uh, let the Holy Spirit lead you into these choices, even when things are hard. So I do want to share why this is so powerful. Uh, earlier I mentioned I'm, a consultant for a software company. And what that means is we have a lot of big contracts uh, with large organizations that we day in and day out have to deliver, keep the clients happy. And this leads to a lot of stressful situations. And it's on those stressful days where I've got a choice, right? Am I going to be life-giving at work or am I just going to get through the day? And it was a couple years back that I really decided I'm going to choose to be a life-giver at work. I'm going to make these choices. And uh, as part of my job, I travel from time to time. And earlier in the year, I was in D.C. at our company headquarters. I was talking to a guy. We were sitting down. And he began to complain about his job. And what's interesting about that is we have the exact same job, same title, same responsibilities. So in theory, we should be doing the exact same things. Um, But he was complaining about his job. He was on the verge of quitting, he even shared. And so I started to wonder, what's the difference here? Uh, I thought maybe it's because things are harder in D.C. Uh, Maybe it's just because his clients are more difficult to work with. Um, 
but no, as, as I got to talking to him and understood more about what does his day look like compared to mine, kind of his workload, responsibilities, et cetera, it's the same. The only difference is he wasn't making the right choices. And not in that he wasn't doing his job or kind of doing things that were going to get him fired, but he wasn't making these choices that lead to uh, life-giving uh, at work. And so we, we left the conversation. And he said, okay, I'm challenged. He said, you've challenged me. I'm going to take these concepts, and I'm going to see if things will get better. It was a few months later. I was back in D.C., and I, I ran into him, and I said, hey, man, how, how, how's it going? And he just lit up, and he said, you know what? It's different. He said, same job, but things are different. Wow. And so, the, right, the Lord's way works, right? Yeah. So if we work for the Lord and we do these things, it works. And so I want to challenge you in your classroom, at your office this week, uh, whatever your workplace is, what choices do you need to make to work for the Lord? Because that's how you can make an impact. And, and what we need is we need Christians that see the workplace as an opportunity to do ministry, right? An opportunity to be the light and to make an impact. And so I really do challenge you that if you'll make these choices to choose excellence, choose love, and choose joy, you'll win at work because you'll be working for the Lord. That's great. Here's the thing is I think it's important for the church to talk about the church. We minister to the broken but God wants us to be healed yeah. mentally, uh, spiritually. Uh, I, I believe that healing is, is present. God created our body to heal. I mean, so for him, to, for, for that to be a weird concept. And so as we grow, as we develop, we should look like winning. We should look like winning. Our marriages should be different. Our life should be different. The way we work should be different. And I want to challenge you in this place because I love what Jeff said. In this church, the idea is not to be on stage and to be a minister or a song, sing a song or, or play an instrument or work in kids' church. All those are great, but we see every occupation as a minister. Now, that does not mean that I want you to go in there and, you know, start reciting the Roman road to everybody in your business. But I do believe that we wake up with a missional component to our life. And it's, and it's a whole lot more than what requirement you have to do or, or, or what the, the goal is to get a bonus. You wake up and go to work because you're working for the king. And I promise you this you will win. I'm not saying that you'll get every position, but I'm saying that there's a way to win in longevity and to be a person of character, respected, admired. Come on, somebody. And that's what we are called to do. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message ministered to you. Feel free to let us know on the Connect tab of the House Church app. We hope you have a great week.